On this week's episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, Joe Ferraro and I talk about why it's not the massive changes, the big things we do that create the most sustainable success for us, but the small things, and why you need to focus on just 1% every day. What's up, competitors? Can you believe we are already at episode 58? It is late October. We are flying down the race path to finish 2019. My name's Jake Thompson. I'm your host here at Compete Every Day. I'm excited as we get to spend some time together today, you and I, with Joe Ferraro. Man, this is a fun conversation. Joe runs an incredible podcast called 1% Better. We connected through his show. I've been a fan of his work. Had a great opportunity to have him on the show to talk about his other job as a teacher and how he's pouring and investing into students with lessons that each of us can use in terms of how we're learning, how we're sharing our knowledge with other people we work with, with those we train with maybe even those we're trying to raise there at home. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation in growth around being 1% better every day. If you haven't been on CompeteEveryday.com lately, you missed our fall release that dropped last week, October 15th. We had a number of limited release items, but still some new fall styles and hoodies. And I want to encourage you to go grab yours, grab a new shirt, grab a new tank, grab a gift, early holiday gift, or maybe someone with a fall birthday, and use the code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get you 15% off your order. Now, we have a number of fun things coming up heading into the holidays. We have a number of changes here at Compete Every Day that you will see over the coming months going into 2020, all designed to help you cultivate your winning mindset, to be the type of competitor who wins your work, your workouts, and your life. How can we learn to excel? How can we continually raise our game in our professional career and our personal lives? And so I'm excited as we start to debut that. You'll learn more on coming episodes, but just wanted to tease you a little bit, get you excited, and keep you on the lookout. If you're not on our email list and you want to receive an email every week with ways that you can improve your leadership skills, ways you can build mental toughness, build a stronger competitor mindset, go to guide, G-U-I-D-E, dot competeeveryday.com. That's guide.competeeveryday.com. You'll find ways to get connected with our online community. And then if you choose the options of leadership, educational content, or send me everything, you will get a new email every week with ways that you can continue to raise your game. There's also options on there if you just want to find out about new podcast episodes, find out about the latest apparel releases and sales, or perhaps you want to come to one of our in-person workshops and events and you want more details on where I'm speaking, when I'm speaking next, and what the next workshop is, there's options for every one of those. So check out guide.competeeveryday.com, fill out your preferences, get signed up, and start building that winning mindset for life. Now, let's dive into this week's show with Joe Ferraro and let's start to understand how you and I can be 1% better than yesterday. Joe, my man, welcome to the show today. Jake, thanks for having me, man. I'm fired up. Uh, your stuff is great, and uh, I'm honored to be here. I'm excited. You know, I, I had the honor to be on your podcast, uh, and throughout that conversation, it was just immediate. I was like, I've got to get Joe on the Compete podcast. I need to introduce more of his work to our community, to our listeners. Uh, you are the man behind the 1% Better podcast. But before we dive into your show, your history, Man, tell our listeners quick snapshot 
Joe, if I were introducing you to speak, what would I say today? Thank you, Jake. First of all, you forgot that you mentioned uh, that great t-shirt you sent me. So I want (laughs) to let you know that I got that nearby here. I appreciate that. But for me, I'm a teacher and I'm a teacher who's obsessed with the idea of continuous learning. I look back to my, my childhood and I don't always remember being a super learner or someone who's interested in different paths and curiosity that much. But throughout the last 10 or 15 years professionally, I don't know what exactly has clicked and I've just come, come to fall in love with the idea of being a lifelong learner. Now, you know, in the podcast game, it almost borders on cliche now to say you're a lifelong learner. But for me, that, that tipping point is, can we go to bed just a little bit wiser, a little bit smarter, a little bit better than we were the day before? And it's taken me a while to realize that's the idea behind 1% Better. And you know, it, it sounds cool and it's got a name and a number and compound interest and all those wonderful things I'm sure we'll get into. But at the end of the day, I'm a teacher who loves to present and share with audiences ways that we can kind of improve the mindset, language, and behavior as we go through life. So at what point in life did you decide you wanted to teach? Because I think we, before we got on air, you were saying you're about to start your 21st year? Yes. Yeah. So uh, what kickstarted that whole process? September 4th, uh, 1999, man. <laughs> That's the answer I give. And I can't swear to it that it was September 4th. But it was, in fact, the first day I did student teaching. Um, I think uh, education classes have come a long, long way when, when it comes to now what's going on in the undergraduate scene. But when I was in college, you took five classes and, you know, you were supposed to be ready to be a teacher. And only when I got into that last realm, which was student teaching, being observed with a mentor and teaching kids every, every day, that's when I realized I can do this. The uh, mentor teacher, Lou, he said, I'm going to teach a class, just kind of sit back and watch. And I'm like, all right, this is good. This is passive. And I can just watch and learn. So he does the class, bell rings 40 minutes later, Jake. And then he says, all right, you're up. I said, what do you mean I'm up? He let me teach the second class. I'm I'm 20 years old. And he's like, go ahead, do what I did with your own style. And he sat down at his desk and it was literally sink or swim. And I I really enjoyed it. And he's like, all right, next one. And then I was about two in a row, got a chance to make it a little bit better. I didn't know back then that that'd be a perfect metaphor for what I would later fall in love with is just that incremental growth. And then slowly but surely, I mean, I, I went home and I went back to college that day and I was like, this is something I can do. Back then I was teaching seventh grade and I thought that was it for me because this is where our student taught. I now teach 12th grade for the last 10, 15 years. And uh, I think that's, that's a place where I could be. So I don't think it's so much the grade, but that idea that, you know, you can be on a stage, you can, you can perform in some way, you can try to engage your students and you can really give them valuable insights. So I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher through my undergrad until I got into that, that student teaching experience. Well, and I'm always fascinated from teaching. And I say that because I come from a family of teachers. My mom is a teacher. My dad's mom is a teacher. My dad's brother and sister-in-law are teachers. And so I've been surrounded by educators and, and teachers. And I'm always fascinated because on the outside, you think kid goes to school, they learn, they come home but there's so many different dynamics of your job. Um, Not only from dealing with the students and and making sure everyone's learning and trying to communicate in ways that the kids understand, but then you're dealing with parents and administration. When at the core of it, you just want to make the kids understand the importance of of being 1% better, for lack of a better word. How can they continually grow and learn? You've seen the, the educational landscape for a while. 
you've seen a lot of, I'm sure a lot of changes over the course of your career, but what has been the one thing that's been consistent and consistently brings you back year after year to the classroom? Well, if I could borrow your core word in, in terms of preparing for our conversation and thinking about competition, I actually think it's competing for their attention and earning it. So I, I get only 40 minutes with these kids. And over the course of, you know, if we chalk up the first five years of my career, just trying to figure things out, the last 15 years, I want to make sure that those 40 minutes, even though the kids don't have a choice to be there, they certainly have a choice to be there mentally to be there totally present. And what I want to do is from the moment I meet them in the classroom, I want them to know that it's going to be worth it. Sure, they don't have a choice to be there or not, but to really engage and for them to see in me a passion every day, there is a level of competition to it because the bell is going to ring and they're going to leave to go to the next class. But I want that, that feeling of, man, the class is over already. And, and that idea that every single day I need to bring it has really resonated with, with me. And I think that it mirrors your work. So I relish the time in front of them. Um, sometimes I'm guilty of talking too much. I think my students will tell you that because I feel that urgency. You know, I really do. I feel a sense of urgency on a daily basis that we only, and I say it to my students, we only get 40 minutes today. And at the beginning of the year, they kind of chuckle and think 40 minutes is an eternity. And then they realize that there's a lot to get to. And I, I take that responsibility extremely seriously. The, one of the things that you said right there that stood out strongly to me is the fact not only do the kids have to be there, but you want to earn their attention. In today's world, we're so easily distracted by, honestly, everything. Somebody's always selling us something. Somebody's always posting something on social media. There's millions of things vying for our attention. And those of us like yourself, like myself, that are lifelong learners, for lack of the better word, and looking to grow and develop, there's a million things pulling at our attention that tell us, oh, you can be better doing this. Oh, you can be better doing that. When it's the small incremental growth over time, what are things that you do to earn the student's attention in the classroom that you also see when you go speak in corporate America and you're talking to companies and brands and teams about just earning their own team's attention in the boardroom on a weekly sales call, thing like that? Yeah. I think it has to be a blend, at least for me, between the, the value that you're delivering and the entertainment quality. There has to be, um, and I go into education very clear-eyed with this. Um, I'm not there to entertain them. I'm there to teach them, but I am not afraid to tell you that I'm trying to entertain them as well. I, I just don't run away from that because <laughs> you can break it down as simply as this. People learn when it's fun. It doesn't have to always be fun. And I, and I hate the criticism from the other side where it's like, well, you're not there to be their friend. I agree. You're not there to, to be a performer. I agree, kind of. But again, there's content to get to, but how do you package it? So if you're talking to a corporate audience, like I've had the chance to do in Delaware and San Antonio, a couple different places, you, you need to say, hey, you could be anywhere. I don't say this, but sometimes you do. You could be anywhere in the world right now. And in, instead, we're here together. So let's make the most of it. I recently did a workshop with, with teachers, and it was in the middle of the summer, Jake. So you're saying this to them, hey, you, you're taking two days off to be here for the next 15 hours listening to me, and hopefully I'm, I'm turning it around and learning from you. But let's be here and let's make it worthwhile so that when they leave, they, they think they learned something, they thought right? We changed gears on them. I've seen you do that in your talks where it goes from the silly to the serious, to the funny, to the poignant. 
And I want them to be on an emotional journey because, and, and they'll see it from me, I hope. If I'm doing it right, they'll see that I'm into it, right? There's nothing I'd rather do than be on this mic with you right now. And I, wanna, I want that to bleed over into my daily life and into any life that I do with presenting. And what's, what's unique about that and, and just sitting here absorbing everything that you're saying in that is you are just committed. Like, I think that's the best way to do it. You're committed to the students and figuring out ways to make it work. You're committed to the teachers and finding out ways to help them improve it. And it can be fun. Like when you're committed to something, take relationships, for example, when you're committed to it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. You're going to have awesome memories, but you're also going to have hard days and things you have to work through with your spouse. You're committed to a fitness routine. You're not motivated to go to the gym every day. You're not motivated to lift weights or eat healthy. And so some days you do it even when it's not fun, but there's a lot of times where you just go make it fun. We go play, pick up baseball. You just grab some guys, go to the park, grab some gloves. It's a fun way to do it. Other times running, not as much. But I love that that has been a really consistent theme because obviously two decades of teaching, you're committed to that scene and, and impacting the next generation. I'm curious from a personal perspective, what's driving you? Like what is at the core of your being getting you up every day and saying, I, I just want to be a little bit better? Well, I, I appreciate you picking up on that word commitment. To be honest, as I was uh, listening to your podcast, I've been doing that, that for a long time now. I want to be really plugged in. And some of the guests that you have are just Ironman and women athletes and triathletes. And you're certainly a big time athlete. And you get that little imposter syndrome creeping in and you say to yourself, do I belong on a show called Compete Every Day when the last person I listened to, you know, climbed Mount Everest three <laughs> times with his eyes closed. So I, I had to pause and say, wait a minute. I do fit in here from a different standpoint. I was a college athlete. I played Division One baseball, and I still feel that way. However, my commitment to fitness has been emerging, let's say, right? It's not at the level of my intellectual commitment, out of my uh, empathy commitment, out of my presentation and communication skills commitment. So I think when we talk about self-reflection and assessment, right, I want to assess where I am today. I can't possibly pretend to be perfect in every area and I can't be committed in, in every area all the time. So I feel like sometimes we go through seasons in life and, and the, the part about where it all kind of ties together for me is what can you do that isn't necessarily God given or isn't a talent or whatever it is you want to believe. When I played baseball, I didn't rely on these talents that were otherworldly. And now when I sit behind a microphone and interview some of the best authors in the world, I can just out-prepare other people, I hope, by looking at my notes, by being curious, by asking a question a slightly different way. And I feel like everything's kind of spiral for me. So I look at things like that and then I say, all right, when I go into the students, how can I make them feel that today felt just a little bit different than yesterday? It, like the teacher's prepared on a different level, like the teacher's not afraid to crack a joke, the teacher's not afraid to pull me aside privately and say, hey, you didn't seem like yourself today, I didn't want to call on you, I hope everything's okay, and just those human moments. So maybe it's not a perfectly uh, compartmentalized answer, but I think everything in my life is kind of spiraled together, if you will, and it kind of builds on each other, if that makes sense. It does, and, and it sounds like you're looking at a bigger picture, you're looking not just at 
you, you're present in the moment of one classroom, but you're looking at it over the course of a year and the course of a kid's life. You're looking at, you know, you talked about the fitness being at a different stage. You're still looking long-term and, and developing that, which still takes me back to that idea of commitment because it's easy. It's easier to be committed when you're in the long game. Yes, exactly. Those fad diets, they don't work. You lose 20 pounds and then you gain 30. Um, That metaphor kind of persists throughout my work. And you're right about the whole picture once again, which is that 40 minutes period one in my class, which starts at 8.03 a.m. and goes till 8.43. I think it's the most important 40 minutes of the day, but that doesn't mean Sheila will. And there might be something going on in Brad's life that is a lot more important right now than whether or not this sentence is, is, is the most thematically appropriate to the piece of literature we just read. So I actually zoom out even further than that, though, when I'm designing the curriculum and thinking about it, um, I can't possibly sell them something that I don't believe in. So there is a parallel to sales there for sure, where it's the idea that I'm not going to present a book because everyone's always presented that book. I'm going to try to bring in some nonfiction, which typically, if you think about, I don't know what your life in school was like, when we read nonfiction in school, it was some short passage about the Galapagos Islands that, you you know, you were then going to be asked 25 multiple choice questions about, and you really saw no connection to your life. With the personal growth uh, boom, if you will, with the great motivational literature and strategic literature that's out there these 17-year-old kids don't see that a lot. So I, I like to present things like that, that not only shows commitment, like you said, but that, that whole child, that whole picture, you're dead on when you're thinking about that. Do you, one, I'm curious, have you always had this looking at a big picture mindset? Because I feel like, I mean, you're a former baseball guy. I feel like that's a baseball type perspective. You're not letting the first at bat in the first game completely derail your entire season you're working on how can I continue to improve my swing how can I improve my hand-eye coordination am I you know moving the way I need to on the bases like you're looking big picture versus just that one instance yet you're still present in that one instance that incoming pitch yeah you're very perceptive and you're making me think on a, on a different level here because I, I do have to plead guilty to if the at-bat didn't go well I was very hard on myself. I wasn't Paul O'Neill from the Yankees knock over the water cooler hard, but I took it hard. I still take it hard today if, a, if a interview, an interview doesn't go well. But I typically am more forgiving to myself if I know I prepared and it just couldn't have gone better. There were a few circumstances that came in. Now, as a player, I was always the guy that was looking for can I cut this ball off and get the trail runner? Is there a ball fake that I can use to get the guy rounding third? So 100% big picture there. And I don't know what, what wording to use with this, but in a way, I kind of worked my way to the big picture through the details that others might have overlooked. I don't know if that makes sense, um, but I think there's probably a parallel to, to my work now. Like if I'm thinking of uh, teaching a lesson on I don't know how to write uh, an email to um, someone in the real world, to my, to my 12th graders. I don't want their email to look like everyone else's. So I'll typically say something like there's a kid in Kalamazoo, Michigan right now who doesn't know how to start their email quite this way. And that's going to put you in a different pile. Well, when I think about my work uh, on an interview, I don't want every interview to go the same way as the one that the speaker just got off of. So you know, when, when I interviewed you, I hope I gave you some different things to think about rather than I know you have an interview before, 
when you jump on with me, I don't want it to necessarily feel better, but I want it to feel different and that's on purpose. So I do live my life with intentionality to try to be specifically different when it makes sense. And I get that. And, and I hope for the listeners listening, you're hearing a lot of these different pieces and themes that are, that are showing up in this conversation. Joe, I want to switch gears just slightly because something you said a little while ago in terms of being really locked in and focused on growth in one area and then other areas at different times in your life. And there's a seasonality for that. It's really easy today to get caught up in the idea that I have to do everything all at once. I want to change this. I want to improve this. I want to jump on right this second and and change everything. But as you know, with your show, the 1% better, like there's pieces we have to do little things at a time. And there's also seasons for everything. With that being said, how have you mentally come to terms with and been okay that this is the season for this focus and that that I want to do is still there, but I'll get to it next season or two seasons from now when it feels so easy to just want to be overwhelmed and try to do everything, which ends up being done poorly more than anything. The best answer I can give you is that it's a continual work in progress that I have not mastered. You know, that is an area of growth for me because um, when I take strengths finders and different personality tests that I think have a lot of merit, I'll come up high on ideation. So, and, and I'll pass that on to my students in little drips and drabs. And I'll say, you know, when you have ideation as a high point, you also have the bit, the balcony in the basement. So I'll have a lot of ideas. If you call me on the phone tomorrow and say, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, and Z, I'll be able to give you a lot of input. But the negative side, the basement, if you will, I can be impulsive at times. I can say, let's just follow this thread as far as it will go. And in some real practical terms, sometimes the fitness piece, which is not something that comes natural to me, goes to the wayside for a while. And what's troubling about that, if I'm self-aware, is fitness, and you know this, is a keystone habit. So I'm actually leaving proverbial money on the table from a health and wellness standpoint, from a cognitive bandwidth standpoint, that if I would just get a little bit more active, I would be exponentially better in certain ways. Now, to answer your question and put up some punctuation to it, I also have to be kind to myself. I am running a podcast over 100 episodes week after week. I have a family with two kids and a, and a job where I'm teaching and I love it. My commute's a little bit longer, so it takes me away a little bit there. So I'm not woe is me. I wish I had a six pack and I'm not, hey, I figured this whole podcast thing out yet. I've, I guess the answer, and one of the ways I learn is by talking things out with smart people like you. The answer is I, I'm living these lives that are, this, that are aligned. So if my podcast allows me to be a lifelong learner, I don't position myself as an expert who has it all figured out. And I'm allowed to go down these different avenues as they come up. And it's truly exhilarating because I have booked some, some fitness experts and some, some nutrition experts which will then feed my life. And I kind of have the world fooled, Jake. It's like, I get to interview these people, learn from them, implement it, fail, try. And it really, really works out in a way that, that's, that's pleasing to me, hopefully to my audience. I love it. I love it. You, you mentioned being a parent. I'm curious, what are ways that you're investing in, pouring in, teaching your kids this mindset, daily mindset, I would say, of just being 1% better? Intentionally, uh, day by day. Um, right now, my, my son is nine and my, my daughter is six. And 
what is really beautiful is how different they are. So my daughter, very physical, loves dance, loves soccer, has not a ton of interest in the intellectual conversations that my son and I have yet. Um, just today, getting ready for an interview, I ran a couple of questions by Joey, and uh, he gave me some, some really good answers. And I, I every, I'm very cognizant to back off, and I'll say, hey, I know you're only nine. I'm not trying to throw too much at you. We happen to be talking about the gig economy and how, <laughs> how, how you know, do you think there's a pro and a con to working with a gig economy versus a steady job with union benefits? Like that's, that's not made up for the air. That's like something we talk about. And then every so often after I go beyond five minutes with them, I say, we really got to lighten this up and get back to playing a video game. So I think that it's just a very transparent lifestyle for us. And, and we get to, my wife, interestingly, is a very huge fitness buff. And uh, she does a lot of the work with the kids in terms of keeping them active. And I throw in the, the intellectual piece when I can. And he's a big reader. And Charlie's been doing great with her reading as well. So I don't know. I might be pa painting a very Pollyanna picture here. But hopefully you can hear my smile. It's a, I'm a very lucky man. I'm not afraid to say it. And I think I, my wife and I work hard to try to involve the kids. I, I love that. And, and I know that our, our reason I ask is we have a lot of parents listening to the show and, and uh, we have obviously our separate raising competitors podcast for them. But every so often when I'm talking to parents, I'm always curious about a lot of the conversation pieces we have here, because as you know, from experience as a teacher, the best way, the way that you understand and learn topics and information best is by teaching it. Like it's just getting it into your bones so well because you have to clearly communicate it. You have to explain it maybe in a few different ways until it clicks. And parents are obviously going through this all the time. It's so always love being able to give them a little extra value from that around the idea of daily improvement and growth. Joe, what's something you're reading right now? I just picked up uh, Range by David Epstein um, at the local library to uh to take on a little mini vacation so that's a book that's basically about the idea of how generalists um are not given enough credit so you know you kind of pointed to it right sometimes we read the things because it's not what we believe in and we want to learn about it and sometimes we read things to reinforce something we always believe in and i i often try to tell my students that because they're very reluctant and this might apply to the parents as well very reluctant readers out there in 2019 at times so I try to open up reasons for reading. Hey, that you might read to entertain yourself or you might read to reinforce a belief. Well, David's kind of, kind of split it in half there for me, which is the idea that you, you hear that the riches are in the niches and then you hear the, the jack of all trades, master of none, that whole competing idea. And then I turn around and say, I run a podcast called 1% Better and it's not just about parenting. It's not just about fitness. It's not just about language. And you kind of search in the cosmos for permission and a book like Range does that. And what David's done is extensive research that talks about how if you can put your feet into different pools, there really is a tremendous amount of benefit. And he's seen that swinging back rather than, you know, you have to specialize. There's a really beautiful, and I'm not all the way through the book, but there's a really beautiful part to being a generalist, as he calls it, which I really respected. Yeah, it's a uh, fantastic 
fantastic read uh, for any of our parents listening to this. If you have not picked it up, actually anyone, to be honest with you, listening to this that has not picked it up, uh, highly, highly encourage it. His first book, The Sports Gene, was a fascinating read as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, Range Range has been on my list and read, and and I, I love it. So that's that's a great one to pick up for your trip. Joe, for anyone listening to this conversation that's, that's fascinated, wants to check out your podcast, you've had some amazing guests on the podcast. Where can people get connected with you online? Where can they find out more about the work you're doing, not only in your classroom, but with other teachers, educators, and businesses as well? I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I use Twitter for the one-stop shop, which is Ferraro on air, F-E-R-R-A-R-O on air. That's where I link to everything. And then the website is 1percentbetterproject.com. It's all spelled out, 1percentbetterproject. I'm trying to reclaim that project word because my work in classrooms and, and as a student over the years, you break out into hives when your teacher gives you a project. And uh, it's just not that way in my class, I hope. And I, I like to do different projects. So I've given myself full permission to reclaim that work. And I, I kind of put that all in, in one place at 1percentbetterproject.com. But uh, I would be honored if someone listened to the podcast. I don't know if you tell people this, but I always tell people, I've had over a hundred episodes. That does not mean you have to go back to episode one. <laughs> it's right. not, it's not game of Thrones. You don't have to say, Oh, I've missed so much. It's overwhelming. I'm just going to shove it in the corner. I would be honored if you clicked on episode 110 and listened to it. You know, I don't need you to, to go back to one and do the whole arc. I, I think for my podcast, you pick and choose a guest that jumps out at you. And I think you're going to be more than happy um, if it, if it fits and you'll know within five minutes, if this is a show you can spend time with. Yeah. And, and what I'll echo is, is what I've told our guests before when they've emailed and, and I'm going to throw it out on air. If you hop on to Joe's podcast and you scroll a little bit, go to his website, email him and tell him, Hey, here's the two to three topics I'm most interested in or most challenged with right now. And I bet he'll be able to flip out. Here's the three, two to three episodes you can start with. Uh, because that's usually what I try to do to help someone out. Cause yeah, when you got a hundred episodes, people are like, Oh, that's a lot. But I'm like, Hey, what, what do you want to learn about resiliency? Cool. Let's talk about these two shows or you want to hear other people that do podcasts and, and daily improvement. Awesome. Just recorded this thing with Joe. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about commitment. So go to his website, check it out, drop Joe a note, get connected and download an episode or two of his show. Buddy, thanks for spending some time with us today. Jake, that's brilliant advice, man. I will steal that. You just made me 1% better. And uh, I, I just want to say a sincere thanks, man. I, I make it a point that when I'm invited on a podcast, I listen to, to the podcast. And you do an unbelievable job and you're, you're dipping your toes in different waters and you're an inspiration. So first and foremost, thank you. And uh, I hope today listening, somebody got something out of this that we can kind of just help them get a little bit better. And I appreciate you, man. You bet. Thanks again, competitors, for tuning in to the Compete Everyday podcast. As always, get in touch with the show by emailing us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. And don't forget to use your 15% off discount code podcast on any purchase at competeeveryday.com. I can't wait to see you again next week. And until then, keep competing every day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.